This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to BigHeadsMedia.com for more great podcasts. Monday, January 24th, and this is Season 6, Episode 22 of the Four Star Squares Podcast. I'm your host, Anthony. With me this week, we have Jeff. Hello. Joe. Hi there. And returning to the podcast, we have Mike. Hey, how's it going? Well, um, I want to start the conversation, and we're going to roll right into uh, matches because we have a lot to talk about today. And I, I want to talk about this exciting Leicester match because this was... Uh, um, this is something that we ha- we haven't had one of these moments in a long time. Um, uh, may- maybe the, the next closest thing was the excitement of Conte co- actually coming on board was the, probably the biggest thing this season that we've had. But this uh, last-minute victory, and I think everybody probably knows what happened by now. I, unfortunately, uh, I was watching this one at home, and I had a work call at 3, so I had, I, I had the uh, match uh, uh, recording the final 20 minutes, and my phone starts blowing up like 20 minutes after into my work call. And I'm like, what the heck's going on here? So it was painful for me. I, I had to rewatch this. I wasn't at the pub experiencing it with everybody as I normally would be. Um, but for let, let's start with that emotional start. Like, how was the experience for you guys with this uh, exciting victory? Uh, let's start with Jeff. Um, it was pretty wild. I mean, um... We were all over them at the beginning of the game, and it felt like we could have got off to like a six nothing start. Um, instead, they scored against the run of play. We had to tie it up. They scored against the run of play, and then very late, we pulled it out. Won it. Up until that last two minutes of the game, I was furious <laughs> because this is just the kind of game that we blow all the time, right? We're playing Leicester. They're down eleven guys. Um, we're all over them. We should be destroying them. Instead, we're, it looks like we have that game lost. And then Bergwijn made the, the miracle for us. But um, otherwise, oh, there were so many frustrations. Yeah. Uh, Joe? Yeah, I'm totally with what Jeff just said then. Because Lucas, he missed the game. And he was bemoaning the fact that he, he missed this game. And I was like... You you should be glad you missed it, and you, well, you watch most of it, Anthony. But for the most part, this was massively frustrating until <laughs> just the awesome. I mean, the end of it was incredible. It was it was absolutely brilliant. Um, it's with VAR now. I don't tend to celebrate goals. I kind of worry that they're going to get disallowed. But this was probably the first time Bergwijn's goal, the second goal, was just like a crazy like used to celebrate goals in the bar you know when you before VAR existed because it was just unbelievable it wasn't just the fact we brought it back but like Jeff touched on we we thoroughly deserved it like it wasn't like we just got a lucky goal against the runner you know we absolutely deserved the three points based on how we played all game and it was like a justice sense of justice really that that we got that win and to do it in such dramatic uh, circumstances was it, it was fantastic um, Mike. Yeah, the, I mean, I I agree 100. percent The the fury came a lot from what Lester was doing to make us angry. It just it was so annoying, honestly. Just uh, 
you know, how many chances we were not putting away and for them to be 2-1 up. And then the way they were acting was really like, I think that was getting under a lot of our skins because uh, Madison kept taking these cheap fouls. And then so Yonchu was was uh, was really taking his time. And they were just really like game managing um, at a point where I was like, I can't believe that they're 2-1 up right now. And then, um, I mean, I thought it was all, I thought it was all over. I think that's where the, the elation is coming from is when, uh, when Bergwijn pushes down Soyonchu after, you know, Soyonchu threatened that he, he was, said that he was basically dived, that he went down easy. And uh, he gets up, he shoves him on the ground and he takes like another 45 seconds to get back up. And uh, goalkeepers, they're doing a goal kick at 94 minutes and 35 seconds. And yeah, it was just, I was just straight, you know, unhappy. Um, and you, you just see the smugness from a lot of their players, you know. And so it felt so good. So, like, it felt, it, it really felt like a little mini Amsterdam. A lot of people have said that it felt like mini Amsterdam. I definitely feel the same way. Well, and that, that, this brings us to our first question. And Chubbs asks us in a roundabout way. He asks us, do we have a preferred last-minute winner? Um than this one like or do do we have anything that we can compare in our experience joe you probably have the the longest running experience of all of us uh um can you think of um a last minute winner that was as exciting as this or close i mike mike touched on the the main one which the obvious one which is the ajax game i mean nothing's ever going to top that that's the <laughs> that's yeah. as good as it gets the ajax one but um i mean there's been a couple we've well we we had the um, we had one last game, didn't we, against Watford, where we got the late winner. Not quite as dramatic as this, but um, going back, there was one, I think Shubes even references it in his question, um, against West Ham, about, probably about 15 years ago, when we were losing four, we were losing 3-2 in about the 90th minute, and we, we turned that round. It wasn't the 95th minute, but we, we got two late goals and, and ended up beating West Ham, which was all the sweeter because it looked like we were going to send them down at the time as well. Um, so that was that was a brilliant uh, game. They ended up staying up, but it was a, it was a great, that was a good one. Um, I suppose we won the League Cup in 99 with a very late goal as well when we had 10 men and we scored against Leicester, in, against Leicester again in the last minute. But I think this was, this was up there, honestly. This is in my top five ever, like late wins for sure. This was incredible. Yeah, good. Good shots there. Any, um, Jeff, do you have uh, one? There was, wasn't there four or five years ago, uh, Swansea, really late. Um, we scored an extra time, um, Erickson, and I think, didn't Janssen score in that game? Too? No, he, he got an assist, though. You're right. Yeah. Was, uh, Son, Son got the equaliser, I think. Or Deli Ali maybe got the equaliser, and then Erickson. Oh, I can't remember. We got two goals right at the end, for sure. Yeah. I think we maybe even scored three in the last ten minutes in that game. I think we had scored three, but yeah, that was that was great, wasn't it? But this was better than that. Yeah, that's that's the other one that I remembered. I, I was thinking that uh, wasn't there like a late like uh, Champions League one with Lorente scoring like a late goal or something? Maybe it wasn't that late though. Um, the one that was off of his tip or whatever, or... Oh, against City. Well, they oh, scored City, the late. Yeah. They got the late one, didn't they? But then, they... oh yeah, that's they are saved us. I'm, I'm, uh, yeah, I'm mixing up my. I think I'm mixing up my matches, but yeah, uh, th- these are few and far between. Uh, you you just don't get to see stuff like this very often. And uh, Winks, uh, Winks had a late header against Fulham. I remember, and uh, I think that was Fulham that, that we ended up beating off a cross. And I definitely didn't think 
least would get in there for the header. So, was that Yeah, that was Nkudu, uh, like from like yeah. that, like he was like at midfield and like just flipped it into the box. Yeah, that was a good one. Good shout there, Mike. Um, well, um, let's talk a little bit more about this Leicester game. I think you guys hit on the 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 defined points. Um, I think when they came out, like um, we did look like we were in control. We were getting more shots. We were aggressive. There, uh, do, we, we keep having this like where it's just very close and like Harry Kane off the crossbar and uh, the, these opportunities that are just so close that or like a keeper standing on their head. And that was certainly happening in that half. It felt like we deserved a, a victory here, uh, didn't it? Yeah, no, I agree. I agree 100. percent I think I don't know if you guys follow expected goals. I don't know if you guys. Uh, I it was four and a half. That's what we were we were expected to score four and a half goals, which is an insane amount. We actually had the sixth highest away expected goal uh, tally um, in Premier League history. So, I you know if anyone deserved to win, it was going to be it was going to be it was going to be Spurs. Go ahead, Jeff. Jeff. Um. They had like two hero saves off the line too by their defenders, right? Albrighton and um, Thomas both saved goals from going in, or we would have been up comfortably at that point too. Well, let's talk about individual performances here. Um, Harry Kane, like another really good performance. I know, like he was going through a cold spell earlier in the season, but. how do you think guys think Harry looked this good match? I think this this he looked like the old Harry Kane. This is the first time I think I, I've I think it's been tough for all of us as Spurs fans with Kane after um you know after the whole drama in the summer of him wanting to leave and everything. I think it's been a little bit of a you know finding that relationship again with a player that you've like you know we've all idolized for you know a decade almost um and this is for me this felt like the first game when it was like back to how it used to be with Kane because he he not only did he play probably the best game he's played for you know a long time but also he he seemed so up for this one and motivated and you saw him at the end celebrating with like he, he that passion was back and he I think earlier in the season, especially when Nuno was in charge, he did look disinterested a lot of the time. And, you know, he was probably really disillusioned with what was going on at the club, um, to a large extent of which I sympathise with. But um, I actually read a stat that he had more shots in this game than he did in the entirety of, I think it was like August and September, two months combined, um, when he played something like six games. He had more shots in this one game. So I think that tells the the story in itself. I think it's great. It's just great to have him back like that. Jeff? He also looked really fast. This is the first time in a while that, like, when he was running, he looked at top speed. Um, You know, he went flying down there. Even late in the game, he was still flying. Um, So he really looked up, you know, physically fit for the first time in a long time. I liked how uh, Skip looked in this one as well. I, I I thought like Skip was getting forward and and doing some drives into the box that you don't expect out of him in the the role. And I think this this three man midfield uh, with with the uh, th- uh, the 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 three five uh, two 
uh, formation. Like I, I think it really kind of worked pretty well. I, uh, like we were getting the ball um, to the wings, the wing backs and the uh, the forwards uh, uh, pretty well in this match. Uh, Mike. Yeah, and I mean Kane was involved in you know obviously our two best moments, but that history his goal was like just honestly so amazing the way he cut it back and then shot with his weaker foot and he you know curved it around the keeper it kissed it off the post it was really honestly beautiful just it was just that passage play was so beautiful so I know you guys mentioned earlier about um, celebrating goals with VAR that goal I did not celebrate actually so that one I was like. It's close enough to like the same as Southampton, the same scenario, you know. But I definitely celebrated Bergwijn's both goals without even, you know, thinking about it. And the 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 second play I was going to say was the pass for Bergwijn's second goal, which is really ridiculous, honestly. The way he just turned and then delivered a through ball, like just between two defenders, uh, far away enough from the goalkeeper, but close enough for Bergwijn to get it. And it was just, honestly the, the it was just so beautiful. It was like poetry in motion, like it was crazy how good he looked. But, um, and I'll give a shout out to Matt Doherty. I've always talked really, really bad about him. And uh, he had, I think, his best game under us. Yeah, he, he looked like a, he was up for the task and like, he, you know, he he did the job pretty well. I, I was pretty pleased with Doherty's performance. I wasn't really displeased with anybody's performance. I mean, there's some individual errors on the defense, of course, as we we were bound to happen with uh, with so many of our players injured. Uh, but I can't really complain about anybody's performance that much here. Uh, it was uh, overall pretty good for, for for having a game that was that close to being lost. Like I was pretty satisfied with what I was seeing as frustrated as I was by, by the situation. Um, Jeff, I think our passing was still bad though. Um, and it was worse against Chelsea in the next match we'll talk about. But that's just an ongoing problem with this team is, you know, in a Conte system, you don't have to have the creative genius like Ericsson in there. But everybody is supposed to know where everybody else is at and get the ball to them at a certain time. And we just struggle to get passes to people at the right time, you know, with the amount of right amount of speed on it and, and you know, uh, Neither game this week uh, showed any improvement there. Yeah, you're right. There was like a lot of like errant passes or ones that just weren't like hard enough to get to the to where they were going or they were behind the runner. Uh, um, clearly, clearly, there's a lot that still has to be worked on there. Um, um, any final thoughts on this match before we go to MVP? Yeah, I mean, I, I thought. Uh... I'm just so happy we won, honestly. Just so happy. Like, just for a final thought, it's just the, the like, where it puts us at the table, I think was the key thing, too. You know, I think it brought a lot of belief that we could make top four. And uh, just, like, it's just so massive in terms of the result. Because, uh, I, I mean, Arsenal dropped points uh, at the weekend. And then United, I think, I'm not sure if United had dropped points that day, too. They did to, to Villa. I think they lost... Uh, but they drew 2-2 to Villa uh, a week ago. So I think it was a really big result in terms of the table as well. It, me- it meant a lot, I think. Yeah, I mean, I think that was the the true belief moment uh, for maybe we can go, go to the top four. And I think it kind of started the uh, the, the back Conte movement that we're, we'll talk about when we get to uh, transfers uh, later. Uh, Joe? 
Yeah, just real quick, building on what Mike was saying then. I as what I mean, he's absolutely right. This was a huge, huge match, um, especially going into the Chelsea game, which kind of felt like a free hit. I know we're going to talk about that. Um, but the fact we won this game was 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 massive. And I think you see at the end with the celebrations, like it takes sometimes just a game like this just to galvanise the team. Um, what really impressed me was when Bergwijn equalised at 2-2, he didn't celebrate, he just they got the ball. Him and Kane just got the ball, ran back. And honestly, that mentality, the shift is incredible. I, I, don't, I feel like if we'd have done that under other managers and equalised at the end, we would have been celebrating the draw and we would have been like, right, that's a good result. We'll take it, you know. But there was no celebration whatsoever. They just got the ball and got on with it to try and get that last chance. And I think that told us a lot about the, a lot of good things about the team that we've not seen in in last couple of years, to be honest. Yeah, definitely. And I, I'm sure we will get to it in MVP, LVP, but we've got to give Bergvine his due. We have a guy who hasn't been getting play time. He, he's been, been injured. There's been a lot of talks about him being transferred to Ajax, and he comes in off the bench and just has a, a miracle performance at the at the end of the match. And, yeah, Harry created a lot of those, and it was a whole team effort to get Bergvine into those positions. Uh, but the fact that he was able to get into those positions and the guy that had the yips and couldn't finish was able to finish two in this match was just uh, magnificent. Um, uh, let's go to MVP, and uh, we'll start with Mike. I mean, Kane was amazing, you know, but Bergvine definitely deserves MVP, I think, to come off the bench and then, the you know, before he even scored, the touches he was he was making was actually really, really good like little flicks left and right, you know, um, to Lucas and to Kane. And then um, the runs in the box, I think they were, you know, he just gave us a, a dynamic that we didn't have previously. And I think that gave the team a lot of confidence, a lot of faith um, when he came out, when he came onto the field. So I think he's going to be my MVP for, for Desi for this game. Yeah, I, I can feel that. And I think he's my MVP as well, uh, even though I didn't get to see him until later. But when I rewatched it, uh, I had time to, to think about the whole match. And uh, I agree. He's my MVP. Joe? Yeah, I can't argue with that. You, I think if you score two goals in a few minutes to win the game, you've got to be MVP. But I, just an honorable mention, um, there were a lot of good performances like you said, Anthony, no one, everyone played well to varying extent, but I want to give a shout out to Hoybier just because he's been getting a bit of like criticism lately. And I know he's not everyone's favorite player, but I thought in that last 10 minutes, he was incredible. Like he made a a saving tackle when um, I think it was Harvey Barnes went past Sanchez, uh, which is happens quite a lot. He went past Sanchez and then it was a great block by um, Hoybier to, to save that. And then he also played a role with the ball over to Doherty. Doherty made a good run for the equalising goal. And uh, another honourable mention, he saved Bergwijn getting sent off because Bergwijn <laughs> was so ecstatic, he ran into the crowd. And uh, he had the presence of mind, um, Hoybier, this is, had the presence of mind to grab him and stop him going into the crowd, which uh, was, uh, you know... You've got to admire that. So, um, honorable mention for him. He he also uh, so as soon as we we scored a second one, got seminal pitch. Tilly uh, uh, Yuri Tillemans 
he was the one that intercepted the pass. Yes, yes. Hoiberg intercepted the pass and passed it to Kane, which right. Kane then made that insane pass. So, yeah, no, you're right. Spot on, honestly. Uh, Jeff? Yeah, I can argue with you guys. Uh, definitely Bergwijn, and I think, like you're right, Kane was real narrow uh, runner-up, and Joe uh, Hoiber also. Like, if it was hockey, those would be the three stars, right? Because Hoiber really uh, bailed us out down the stretch. Yeah, well, great, great conversation there. Uh, but uh, we have to move it into a, a, a less desirable conversation in this weekend uh, away fixture at Chelsea. Um, so uh, we, we went into this. We had obviously had the, the two League Cup matches. Um, so we uh, had already lost them twice. This um, We're coming to this match. We had lost them three times this this calendar year um i don't think any of us were feeling good about this match um i do feel like the effort was there in this match i will defend the players i don't feel like um that we just capitulated or anything like that we i think we were trying in that first half that we kept them um uh off the board and kept it at zero zero i think uh it was probably the best half that we've played against them in a long time. Uh, but uh, how do you guys feel about this Chelsea match? Uh, Jeff? Um, yeah, I think it's kind of what we expected. But, you know, when you play a team three times in three weeks, you do expect to see a little more the third time around. You'd think at least you could have got a draw out of that. So that was really disappointing. Um, the other thing is, you know, I read the stat the other day that Spurs have given up six goals off of set pieces this year, which is worst in the Premier League. <clears throat> um, and it's not just this year. I mean, remember this happening under Jose, too. I mean, it's such a problem for us. It, if you look at two of those three Chelsea games, the first one, they were both own goal mistakes, basically, by Tanganga. And then this one, set piece mistakes. It's all mental. You know, um, and it's not like Chelsea's been going around wiping out the rest of the Premier League lately. They've struggled against all kinds of teams, but they look like world beaters every time they play us. So I, th- I think there's still some combination of mental issues going on with us when we play them as well. Well, yeah, and I, I'm with you that like uh, the, there were some mental errors there, and there wasn't so uh, there wasn't good good covering of the. Uh the defense like they weren't marking their man and stuff like that but you have to give uh chelsea credit with that that one goal was uh, there's nothing that hugo could have done about that like you know he he didn't even have a a prayer of getting that so you do just kind of have to tip your hat at that point and and do a better job of marking your man and and you know covering space prior to that um uh joe yeah, I mean, like you say, Hugo couldn't do anything about that goal, but I think Jeff's right to... The set pieces has just been such a problem for us. Um, Silva, I think... I'm I'm pretty sure he scored in the 3-0 under Nuno as well, didn't he? I think him and Rudiger both scored in that game, and then he got another one in this game. And I think, you know, the tone was set in the first minute of this game. Lukaku could have scored after probably less than a minute. It was like 40 seconds or something. And... 
like Jeff Jeff said it, like Chelsea had only won one in seven. You know, I've I've actually watched a few of their games lately and they've not been playing well. Brighton outplayed them the other week. Even Everton, who are terrible at the moment, went there and got a draw a few weeks ago. Wolves drew with them the other week. You know, they're, they're not in good form, but I don't know if it, can it just be a, a purely psychological thing that we've only won there once since 1990 and we've just got the, I don't know, like just, we just mentally capitulate before a ball's kicked in this game because there's no football in reason that we should have been as, um, just as bad as we were really and as timid and just almost expecting to lose. Bearing in mind that we've just won two away games with last kicks of the game, you'd think that would give us a bit more of a an impetus to attack them, but it just seemed like we kind of surrendered before and we're happy. I guess the goal was just to park the bus and get a draw, which obviously would have been a good result, but you know, you kind of want to see a bit more than that, really. Yeah. Uh, no, I, yeah, I agree. I agree 100%. And honestly, I didn't really like, like you know, I, I don't ever, I don't, I don't ever really question Conte, but I really hated the lineup. Honestly, I didn't really believe in, as soon as I saw the lineup, I didn't really believe that we were going to get anything out of this result because, you know, to start six defenders and then, um, you know, to leave Skip on the bench, I thought that was kind of questionable. Leave Reggion. I mean, I understand the Reggion thing, but uh, it was it looked like we were playing four four two with uh, Doherty on the right, Sessegnon on the left, and then we had Tanganga at right back, Sanchez, Dyer, and Davies. Which I I didn't agree with that. I thought just stick to what you're good at. You know, I thought we played so so well against Leicester, and honestly, you could just start the same lineup. And then um, there was a lot of weird things that came after that game. You know, because uh, you know, during the game, the, the Kane goal, which should have been allowed, I can't believe that they that they called a, a foul on that. I think it was a linesman. They said the linesman called a foul on that. But, like, the referee is five yards away. So what are you trying to say, that you, you're seeing this better than the referee is? And I thought it was such a soft, soft call, you know, because if a, if a striker goes down in that position after a defender pushes him like that, like, you're not getting the penalty. And if you are getting the penalty, people are going to be up in arms on on social media about how – VAR is a farce, and you know you shouldn't get a penalty for that. But for it to go the other way, and then for them to get uh, considered a foul instead of a goal, I thought that was really, honestly, ridiculous. And I didn't see a VAR review for that, you know. And I feel like it keeps happening to things keep happening to Spurs, like in regards to calls, like close calls, like that. I don't know if you saw the United situation with Cavani; uh, he scored a goal, but that was like. You know how Keynes was like marginal offside against Southampton. This yeah. was like offside. You know, this yeah. was like, and so it's frustrating. You know, but that being said, I mean, we still should have came out better in the second half. And our, I think we we just, and I was disappointed about the set piece goal. I mean, what Jeff said is correct. I mean, like we conceded six in the Premier League, but we also conceded against uh, Morecambe. Is it Morecambe or Morecambe? I'm not sure how you pronounce it. We conceded against Vitesse in, in, in the League Cup. We conceded in the uh, Conference League. We conceded against, conceded against Chelsea off a corner. I think two corners, two set pieces. Uh, and so it's a lot of – we have a lot of issues with set pieces. Well, and to your point, Mike, like, with, if we had gotten that hurricane goal, which was a goal, like uh, there, there's really no excuse for calling that a penalty. His hand barely touched the back of uh, the defender. Um, it was it was just so frustrating, but it could have been a, a big difference maker in the game. I do think Chelsea probably would have found a way to come back. But if we drew first blood, 
I mean, we could have been talking about holding on to a 1-1 draw at the end. Um, or or at least, like, we would felt a little bit better about a, a, a 2-1 loss if it did end the, the way it ended with Chelsea's goals. Um, but it really changed the complexion of this match, and uh, and that was frustrating. Joe? Yeah, just, just on that, I mean, I think Mike, said it absolutely perfectly. I agree 100%. I, I, what I would say a little bit in to play devil's advocate, I guess, is Kane probably didn't need to have his hand on the back of uh, Silver. Like, Silver's such a... Well, he's a great defender, isn't he? Let's be honest. But he's very experienced. I think he's, what, 38 now, something like that. He's been around so much. He knows what he's doing, and he feels a hand on his back, and he just goes down. And Mike's absolutely right. If that was given as a penalty, it'd be like laughable. No, they'd never give that as a penalty. It's like you've got different rules for different situations. Like the goals that we had disallowed against Southampton because the goalkeeper dropped the ball. No foul, but they just, you know, they, they, it seems like there's different rules in these different scenarios. Um, and I do think it was, like Mike said, so soft. It was really, really soft. But to sort of argue it the other way, I feel like Kane perhaps could have been a bit smarter there in terms of how he used his body. As soon as you put a hand on a player, you you give the referee a decision to make. And it was the wrong decision, but um, so be it. But um, the broader point is, though, we just didn't play well, did we? I mean, I feel like if, you know, you look at that in isolation and, yeah, we kind of got screwed over in that situation. But I don't really feel like a sense of injustice too much in this game, like I did in the Southampton game, for example, because I just thought we were poor. If you look at the statistics, Chelsea had more shots, more possession, more corners, everything. Like Chelsea outplayed us on the day. And that, you know, it, I, I don't think we can look back at that and said, oh, that was what defined the game. I, I just think the we, way we played, we've only ourselves to blame, really. Well, and I think that Kane was just trying to change directions. Like he, he, he knew that he was going to have to pull up to, to to collect the pass and i don't think he, his hand was out there to to push i think his hand was out there for for balance and to to kind of uh uh get into the right position to collect the pass um but yeah i i agree with you i mean we can't we can't take that in isolation and 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 feel total injustice about the situation uh jeff um, I was going to say, uh, Tuchel said that he thought it was a goal in real time as well. So he kind of just, even the opposition coach disagreed with the decision. But, um, you know, in the first half, it really looked like we were going for the draw. That was how we had been set up. That was the strategy. And we were still going for it 10 minutes later. And you could see Kante was getting ready to introduce Lucas and Skip. Supposedly, they had both taken knocks against Leicester, but... Um, and then the, then we lost the game before they could even come in. Because once we went down 2-0, that, that was it. We had no answers. There there were, there was nobody to introduce from the bench who was going to turn that game around. Yeah. And, Mike? And I was going to say, I, I was excited. What you were saying, I was excited to see Skip and Lucas coming off the bench. I was like, okay, as long as we don't concede off this corner. that's I'm not kidding. That's exactly what I was thinking. As long as we don't concede off this corner... We have a good chance to come back, I think, because we're going to be more attacking. Sanganga's already on a yellow card. We're going to take him off. Dorji's going to move to right back. We're going to have a better chance of winning, I think. And 
of course we conceded off the corners. So I was really disappointed and angry, you know. And I mean, you know, every fan feels like they're being slighted by referees and VAR um, because if it's their team, you know. But honestly, feel like I honestly feel like if this was the other way around and Lukaku was the one that pushed off Dyer like that, you know, because Lukaku scores a lot of goals where he's pushing off his defender, you know. And so if Lukaku had pushed off Dyer, I don't think they would have called the foul. You know, I think they just would have gave the goal. Dyer would have fell on the ground, and they still would have gave the goal. So, but anyways, well, I, I, that was Mike, the, yeah. This referee, Mike, was the same referee who, when we played Liverpool a few weeks ago, what was that, three, four weeks ago? If you remember, Deli Ali was through on goal, and Alexander Arnold pushed him in the back, like a similar kind of a push, like not a big, you know, just a slight hand, and. You, Ali Delhi carried on and it ended up we didn't score and they Liverpool then scored straight away afterwards. He didn't give a penalty. It's exactly it, exactly the same thing that Kane. It was an offence for Kane, but it wasn't an offence for us in that game. So I think that's what's really jarring, isn't it? Is just that inconsistency of like the exact same instant brings different uh, decisions. You know. Yeah, and, no, and it's and it's okay to get it wrong. Just. At least give me the VAR review for it, you know, like at least go through the motion and check for us, you know, like, is this a foul? Is this actually a goal that you stand? But I don't know. Yeah, that was like this not that not going to VAR. I I, that that shocks me that they don't want to even look at it Um, because it was a goal scoring opportunity. Yeah. Anyway, um I want to um, we, we have a question and we kind of have this other kind of dark topic to talk about. Um, so there was this incident with uh, Spurs uh, way fans uh, throwing letters at uh, Rudiger. Um, and Kyle Mates asks us, uh, uh, two Spurs supporters were arrested for throwing letters at Rudiger. Uh, what is some of the worst fan supporter behavior you've witnessed? Uh, Spurs or other other athletic events. Um, if nobody has one off the top of their head, I can start. This might not be as bad as that, and I, I mean, we, and I think we'll we all remember some of the, the the cringy things that some Spurs fans have done. And the club's always spoken up fast and said that we, we you know, we condemn this. Um, but the one uh, for me actually comes from when Spurs came to the and this is a different type of situation but when Spurs came to uh Chicago and played at Toyota Park against the Chicago Fire um there was an Arsenal fan who decided he was going to sit right in the middle of the 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 Spurs away section in his Arsenal kit so it's he's not there for an Arsenal match he's he's and he's right there in in the away supporter section and MLS fans do not or I mean, MLS like uh, security—they do not understand what like the the situation is and why that's dangerous. And and so this, and this guy refused to leave. And I remember like it took a, a multiple people going up to the security and saying, "Either this guy's going to get hurt. Either you guys are going to remove this guy, or he, he's going to get hurt. Just move him to another part of the stadium." Like move him to the with the fire fans, but he you know he can't sit here because it's that it's just that he's just there to cause problems. Um, I mean, you know, obviously that wasn't like any, any type of uh, um, yeah, th- it wasn't throwing things at players or anything like that. But obviously it was just being combative. Uh, um, 
for the sake of being combative. How about you guys? Any any uh, any examples that you guys have? There, there was the uh, the Rodri uh, goal against Arsenal. I mean, this is not a Spurs match, but yeah, the Rodri goal against Arsenal after he scored. This is kind of on him. He kind of celebrated uh, in front of the away crowd, uh, and they started throwing things at throw, throwing things as he was celebrating because they scored to go two one up to win the game, and uh, so. Uh, I don't know. It's it's a, it's a weird situation, honestly, because you hear about it happening with the England team, the England national team, quite often about uh, you know like things as crazy as like bananas thrown at black players and um, all these like racist chants are being said. And so you know, it's honestly one of those things that really needs to get hammered out the game. I mean, stopping the game in a, it's it's going to help. I think that's going to be a big thing. And then you could always ban away, like the away section of a crowd. Like you can always ban a game. Like you're no longer allowed an away section for this game. It's like a one match ban or whatever it is. And so that could always help out too, I think. Because um, you'll learn the lesson really fast, I think. Yeah, I, th- I think bans are definitely helpful. I mean, you don't want to see people that were, were behaving themselves get punished, but um, it, it will allow the crowd to police themselves a little bit better, probably. Um, Jeff? And they've had to do that a lot in League One recently. They've had a bunch of games. They've had to stop because players are getting hit um, by things thrown from the stands, and then they stop the game, and they resume it at a different time with nobody, no supporters allowed in the stadium. Um, so, yeah, maybe the Premier League is going to do the same thing. I mean, those Spurs fans who did that are <clears throat> are horrible there's no excuse for it. If they find other ones, they should also go to jail. Um, you're just embarrassing yourselves. You're embarrassing the club and you're embarrassing your fellow supporters. I mean, on the broadcast, the announcer even made a snarky comment when uh, Hudson Adoy went out, you know, that, oh, hopefully he goes, he's able to get past the away supporters without incident. You know, that there's just no place for that kind of thing in the game. And, you know, um, send them to jail. Yeah, no, definitely, Joe. I agree, and it's just being sore losers, honestly. Like when you're when you we were literally, you know, it's just not. There's no place for that thing, and I think if you don't want to punish the entire entirety of the fans, you know, because not every fan is doing it, obviously, you know, but there are fans that are seeing this, these things being done. I think, and if we had like if they set up like an, a reward system for like for reporting other fans, you know, like if you report another fan, you'll get this reward or whatever for doing it, you know, almost like a reward for snitching out the people that are doing these evil and horrible things. I think maybe that'll, maybe that'll motivate more people to, to, to start reporting stuff like that, you know? Yeah. It's, it, it's, it's with away fans as well. It's really hard to get a ticket as an away fan because you only get a limited amount. Right. So the, these are like, I often hear in these situations, people say, oh, these aren't real football fans, you know, these people. But they are because these are the people who go to the games, right? So you can't get a a ticket away at Chelsea unless you've built up a massive amount of points at Tottenham, either being a season ticket holder, going to, you know. So the club really has to just give them lifetime bans from going to any games. That's, you know, you've got to come down really hard. And obviously that's on top of what you're all saying here about the criminal aspect of it. Obviously, it's a criminal offence in its own right to throw something like, I believe it was a lighter in this case, was it, if I'm not mistaken. Um, yeah, I mean, honestly, 
every fan base has just got their proportion of idiots unfortunately you know it's that's just the demographics of <laughs> of every place and every football club you know you like to think that your club's got all the best fat you know that all the fans are have got great character but the, the reality is that there are some scumbag Tottenham fans just as there are some scumbag Chelsea fans and Arsenal and every other team's got a percentage of fans that are, do stuff like this and um, it's down to the clubs really to police that and to um, come down hard on it and like I think Mike had said Tottenham have been pretty good at doing that in the past to be fair to them they, they, they've always come down hard on these kind of things and uh, yeah I'm sure they will do in this case too yeah, I I I hope so. Anyway, uh, well, let's go to MVP on this match. Uh, we'll start with Jeff this time. Uh, Harry Kane. Um, I thought he competed throughout. You know, he was interested in the match. He, we all we talked about the goal that should have stood for him. Um, he was really the only player out there who looked uh, like he was making it a competition. He did look like a man among boys, didn't he? Uh, uh, Joe? This is a tough game. for the, the the last game was tough because everyone played well. This is tough because no one really played that well. I mean, I agree with Jeff. Kane, Kane did obviously didn't get as much of the ball as we wanted, and he did look good. I'm actually going to give it to Bergwijn, who, for similar reasons, didn't get much of the ball, but I thought he looked really lively. Um, playing as a part of a front two, which is what, Conte talked about maybe having Bergwijn as a striker and obviously the heroics on uh, against Leicester put him in the starting lineup for this game. I thought his hold-up play was really good. He won so many free kicks just from great close control, quick feet, drawing the foul, taking the pressure off the defence. Um, I thought he did a good job and with our striker crisis that we, you know, we don't really have much in the way of backup. If we can kind of convert Bergwijn as a to be a forward player, I, I think he's you know he's a good enough player that maybe that that could work. Yeah, I I think that um, I know he played some there um, uh, prior to coming to us, and I think uh, he, uh, there might be a spot for him in this this squad because we do need uh, forward players for when there's injuries and uh, rotation. So yeah, uh, Mike. Well, mine was was going to be uh, Bergwijn as well, but I think I'm going to switch to Lloris. Uh, I really like Lloris's. You know, he made a lot of great saves, honestly. Could have been a lot worse. I think Zayek had, like, three shots. Obviously, the, the one amazing goal that was unstoppable, but um, Lloris had to step up twice uh, to stop him from scoring again, and then Lukaku had a one-on-one situation uh, where Lloris saved that, too. So I think Lloris, for me, was was our MVP. Yeah, good shout on the Luis. I'm just going to agree with Jeff and say Harry Kane from for me. Uh, let's go back to Jeff and do LVP. Uh, LVP, I, I, I feel like I pick on him all the time, but Tanganga, um, he could not keep up on the wing at all. He was clutching grab, and the whole time he was really lucky not to get a second yellow. I was surprised that they didn't hook him at halftime because you could feel that second yellow coming. Um, yeah, I mean... We've talked about it before. Tanganga is so useful to the squad because he can play anywhere on that back line, but he lately he can't play well anywhere on the back line. And you know, to be a good utility player, you have to prove that when you get out there, you can help the club. And he just isn't 
Uh, there's all this talk about him maybe moving to Italy. At, at this point, I don't know. It's 50-50 whether it's a good thing or not. Well, and, and to your point, he's uh, – um, he may have been better in a Mourinho defensive system. Like he may have – his utility role might might have been more effective there, but in more of this free-flowing attack, attacking Conte system – he just might not be right for this uh, any in any of the positions that he can play. Um, Joe, LVP. Yeah, I'm I'm with you, Jeff. I I think with Tanganga, he he's just got to play right back, and he's got no attacking play, like ability really because he's not he with the ball at his feet he's pretty bad, but he is strong. He's got good defensive aware like he's got some good defensive attributes we saw that against Manchester City when Sterling was you know he couldn't get a kick past Tanganga on that day but I think like Jeff mentioned himself he just lives life on the edge so he like you know he's going to get booked and once he gets booked as he showed against Palace already this season I really worry that he's got the discipline not to make another silly challenge and I like Jeff said then, I, I really thought what was going to happen at halftime was that he'd bring Emerson on and play Emerson instead of Tanganga. And I think he really should have done that because for the goal, certainly the first goal, Tanganga shows him that side. I think he's scared that he's if he goes in, he's going to get a another yellow card. So he's playing with that fear because he's on a booking. And um, that that led directly to the goal, that the fact that he'd been booked. Um, so, yeah, I, long way of saying it, but I, I agree with Jeff. There's a few candidates here, but um, Tanganga for me. Um, and I think Emerson might be more hurt than we think he is. Yeah, I think so. He, well, Conte said when he, he... I think he had a great game against Leicester, uh, Emerson. He didn't play too well, but Tanga, um, sorry, Conte did say after the game, I ah, was actually hurt and he was doing us a favour by, by playing. Um, so, yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, uh, Mike LVP. Yeah, that's kind of harsh on Dyer, but I think Dyer didn't didn't cover himself in glory. I mean, he just got back from injury, so I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. But he gave up the uh, he gave up the free kick um, on Hudson Odoi. I mean, Hudson Odoi obviously flopped; he fell really easily, but he still made the challenge. Didn't really get the ball there, and then um, on the corner, I mean, on that set piece, he was he was marking Thiago Silva. I think he was, and um, so got the best of him. So I, I think I'll give it to to Dyer. But I mean, yeah, the, no one. I mean, no one really played great. No one played terrible, but no one really played great this game. Yeah, no, and I'll I'll say Tanganga as well um, uh, for all the reasons that, that uh, Joe and Jeff already said. Um, well, this this brings us to halftime. Um, this is going to be our. Uh, last episode until after the international break. So we are taking next week off. Uh, so I just want to bring that to everybody's attention here. Um, this will be the last episode, no episode next week. Um, second half, we are going to talk a, a little bit about ha- uh, transfer window being open and some of the conversation around that. Um, we're going to, uh, briefly mention the international break that's going on and then we will preview the Brighton match that, which will be an FA Cup match after um, after the uh, international break 
Um, and we do not have a halftime segment today, so we are going to roll right into the conversation now. And let's go to a conversation about the transfer window. And I think probably the best place is to start with the second half of Shub's question. And I'm going to paraphrase here. Um, Shubes points out that like even the wealthiest of teams are really struggling to bring in players now. So uh, should we really expect Spurs to be able to make as many acquisitions as uh, as we've been hopeful of in this uh, in this winter window? What do you guys think? Is it is it really feasible? And I know the talk has been um, that Conte wants um, um, not just Traore, but Traore and three more players. Um uh, a midfielder, like more of a, like a, like more of a holding midfielder, uh, an attacking midfielder, um, and a forward player. Um, but uh, do you guys think that that's feasible for, for anybody, let alone us, um, uh, Jeff? Um, it's yeah. It sounds like Traore is yeah we're just kind of waiting for it to get announced it seems pretty official if we were able to bring in another top quality person with him that would be an amazing january window i think because a lot of business doesn't happen in january like shubes was saying um so there was some talk about that we might have an agreement with milan for frank kessie but he wants to wait so the summer, because he'll get paid more, obviously. But if we were some, somehow able to bring him and Traore in, that would be like a major celebration January window to get that quality. Um, so I, if the club can come up with two, that would be huge. Two worthwhile guys who are going to help us make top four. Uh, Joe? Yeah, if you look historically, we've never really bought many players in January it's it's like Jeff just mentioned harder to do business it's a narrower window in terms of the time and there's just not as much activity so there's not as much kind of knock-on effect people uh, on the market and I think that's the problem we're going to have because you mentioned Kessie and yes we've been linked with him and it would be a great sign and if we get him even if it's in the summer I don't see how we can persuade Milan to let him go early, bearing in mind they're in a title race. Milan and Inter are vying for the, the title at the moment in Serie A. Um, what, uh, bearing in mind that he can go on a free in the summer, we'd have to throw a decent amount of money at them to let their one of their best players go in January when obviously they're in a title race. I mean, if you put t- ourselves in that position, would we sell one of our best players if we were in a title race? Probably not. We'd probably just keep hold of them and, you know see the season out um and i think that's the difficulty um i don't think there's any way we can get four three or four players i think triori and maybe one or i mean maybe i'm just been pessimistic because i'm used to has been rubbish in january windows but i i i'm not setting my expectations too high i'm afraid well in uh what we're hearing is, and I, I don't know, I, I think a lot of you guys follow Twitter as much as I do, and obviously that can be a dark place in Spurs land at times, but um, but there's really this sentiment where people are having freakouts and meltdowns that, you know, can't, if we don't back Conte and give him what he wants now that he's going to leave. And to me, that seems like a little bit ridiculous for a January window. I, I think he wants to 
turn up the pressure on Spurs to make sure that they do make some moves because he does know we're a couple pieces away from really being able to keep compete for the fourth place spot. But I just don't see him getting ready to walk out the door unless we don't make any moves by the summer window. Um, uh, but what do you guys think on that, uh, Jeff? Well, even he keeps saying you can't fix it all in January. It's going to take multiple windows, multiple years to rebuild Spurs. So, yeah, I don't think he's going to leave in February if he didn't get everything he wanted then. But, you know, he, he sees it's a project and fans should see that, too. Yeah. Um, uh, Mike, uh, um, I think you wanted to jump in there as well. Yeah, I mean... You know, it's one of those things that's like every every fan, especially like you know when you're first starting to follow Spurs, you love you love to hear about signings, you love to see like Spurs side players. But to be honest, I think we're gonna see more outs than ins. I think there's gonna be three or four players leaving. I think Ndombele is definitely gonna be on loan to to PSG. I think Deli Ali might go. I think I heard some weird stuff about Lasoso. I don't know if you guys followed that situation, but he uh, posted on Instagram the day of the Chelsea game that he's healthy and he's fine and that he was just left at home. And I was like, why would you do that? Like, like you're over here, like, you see a coach trying to build something here. You're over here trying to, like, ruin something from the inside, you know, like, just, like, put your head down and work harder, you know. Or just go to Argentina, like, you want to do and play for your national team. Like, there's no reason for you to, like, say that. Like, no one's asking you. You know what I mean? Like, anyways, um... Yeah, so I think we'll see more outs in it. I, I really hope that we can get a midfielder, though, if we do um, let Tangi go to PSG. I think we could definitely use a midfielder, even if it's just on loan. I think that would be really good for us um, in regards to, to helping us. And I really I really hate to see Erickson go to Brentford. I think we could, you know, we could definitely use Erickson. I mean, yes, we're, we love the past, but I think he'd be so good. Like, I mean, he's already played under Conte. He could fit that role really, really well, and he could just bring him off the bench. But I don't know. I don't know. To be honest, I have no idea where we're going with the with the transfers that we're we're trying to do. We definitely need another striker, though. I mean, Kane is like playing every single game, and I don't see where we can get one. I don't even see that we're linked with any strikers right now, so it's not a good look. Uh, Joe. Yeah, when Vlavic is, looks like he's off to Juventus, and I don't think that was ever really realistic, especially not in January, um, to, to sign someone of that calibre. Anyway, I, I think, like uh, Mike was saying then about the outs, I mean, it is, <laughs> it's crazy. We're going to struggle to have a squad left by the end of this window, judging by the amount of players we're supposed to be getting rid of. But I meant to say this in the Chelsea uh, discussion, I think the most interesting thing that happened yesterday wasn't really the game because we've seen that game before <laughs> four times this season already. It was what happened with the squad selection. I think you've got to look at that and say Delhi and Lacelso were not even on the bench. Dane Scarlett, who I think he's still 17 years old and he's very, you know, he was not going to come on, was he? Was preferred on the bench to Lacelso and um, Delhi. I think that was a huge. Um, Obviously, you you know interpret it as a as a signal to the board or whatever, but it's it's clearly Conte saying, "Look, these guys are not in my plans." And to I, I was really quite surprised that he was so brutal with that analysis. And I'm glad because 
kind of like Mike's alluded to with Lacelso. This guy's been at the club for two and a half years. He's done absolutely nothing, absolutely nothing to, to contribute to Tottenham Hotspur. I think he's got one league goal in that time. He's been injured more than he has fit. He he only seems interested in playing for Argentina. Even if we don't bring in a replacement, I'd be happy to shift Undombele, Lacelso, just get them off for wages trim the squad, and then we can identify these positions. Even if it doesn't happen in January, it can happen in the summer. And I think it'll be a good thing um, if, if that does happen. Well, and to your point, Joe, I think maybe some of those guys were on the bench because we really are pretty confident that we are going to be able to move them on uh, this window. And they don't want them to get have time on the pitch and get hurt when we're going to be selling them. Cause then, th- th- then we're, we're stuck with them. So if Deli Alley is really going to Newcastle, um, then, um, then obviously they don't want him to play and get, get hurt, uh, the, right before, uh, international break and right before the window closes. Um, and you know, similar with La Celso and I, obviously we heard those weird rumors. I don't know if there's any truth to them, but La Celso saying he hates Conte and players saying that they don't like, uh, La Celso much. I don't know if that's just like a, a player who they're getting ready to move. Like, uh, um, and we're trying to get fans more comfortable with, uh, with shifting people. Um, but I, there were also some rumors of some, uh, some, uh, Trade so like a swap deals like with uh, like uh, Ndombele for maybe when when them uh, who I think yeah you know, he has Premier League experience I think he could be a squad player for us and we certainly need, need midfielders that can can play in the Premier League um, and I know that there's also some talks about some swaps for Lasalso as well I don't know if they're feasible in this window with the time frame that we have left to, to work out but. Um, but yeah, I think we have to move the guys on regardless. Uh, uh, Jeff? No, I was just going to say on the Lacelso thing, right? Supposedly Sevilla's, who's really hot on him. But Ornstein today said that Spurs were looking for a swap deal with Lacelso. So I'm not familiar with the midfielders Sevilla has, if any of them look exciting to us or not. Uh, well, there you go. Get him back. We also have the rumor that uh, Brian Hill might go out on loan. And I fully support him going out on loan, but I don't know if I support him going on loan back to Spain. Um, to me, like if if we're ever going to get something out of a, a young player like him, I think he needs to be playing in the Premier League. Uh, I'd rather see him to go go to the bottom of the table and get some serious minutes uh, uh, for the rest of the season. Uh, then go back to Spain where like it's a different style of play and like and he's not really uh getting prepared to to be in the premier league um, uh, any other rumors that are out there that we haven't covered that uh that you guys want to mention joe it's not not so much a, another rumor but um just to i was gonna see what you guys think it bearing in mind that um Hill might be going out on loan. If you look at um, if you look at the players that Paratici brought in this summer, and I don't mean to be a, a naysayer or a negative in any way, but here, but just like Hill might be loaned out. Emerson is not doesn't really fit the system. I actually quite like Emerson, but he's not he's not a wing back, is he? So even Doherty's been preferred to him at the moment because at least Doherty is a wing back, albeit a shit one, but at least he plays that position. Um, 
if you look at the other player, Galini has been a disaster. Like he's terrible. I, the, Joe Hart was better than Galini. Galini's really bad. Um, Romero's great, but he's injured, which uh, you know you can't blame anyone for that. Um, someone else that I'm missing. But what the point I'm uh, building to here is, you got the business hasn't been great, has it? I mean, if you're looking to move some of these players on, you could we have spent that money better in the summer? I don't know. Sar had a good performance in the uh, African Cup of Nations. I don't know if that means yeah. anything. Uh, but Jeff? Yeah, so yeah, Sar hopefully will be good. But then you don't know how far away he really is either. I mean, I still think Hill will be good, but you don't know how far away he is. But um, we've spent a ton of money over the last couple of years. You know, LaSalle, so the problem is all those guys we spent money on, we're trying to get out the door right now. We failed. So it's not like the club isn't spending money. They're just spending money on the wrong guys. Um, and, you know, hopefully under Paradici, that's going to improve now. Hitchens is still there. Um, and he was involved with bringing a lot of those guys in. So that's something we we really have to see the club start hitting on the guys they're investing in. Joe? Yeah, Jeff, real quick, just respond to that, like, I 100% agree with you because if you look at the 2019 summer transfer window, we bought La Celso, scored one goal ever since. We were apparently between him and Bruno Fernandes, who's probably got 50 probably goals in that time. Um, Undambele, our record signing, we're looking to get rid of, which whoever will take him, we'll, we'll give him to, to him. Um, Sessegnon, who we didn't really talk about in the Chelsea game, I thought was pretty poor I, I I think he possibly has a future as a backup left wing back to Regulon I don't see him as an attacking player I, I don't think he's got the attacking like roof ruthlessness like, he just seems really timid to me in those situations and Jack Clark who's been all right he was a young player we took a gamble 11 million but he's not kicked a ball for the first team I don't think has he in a in a Premier League game these are terrible signings so I'm kind of backing up what Jeff's saying and a little bit playing devil's advocate on behalf of Levy because, you know, fans are out up in arms at Levy. Spend some money. Come on. You know, you never spend some money. Levy can turn around and say, wait a minute, I've bought all these players and they're all shit. Like we're trying to get rid of the ones that I just bought. Like this is <laughs> the best players that we have are the players that have been here for ages. You know, the Kane with the odd one or two exceptions, the, the, our better players are like Larisses and the Canes that have been here uh, a long time, son, etc. So I don't know what my point to this is, other than a bit of a rant. But I, I, I guess what I'm saying is I, I kind of sympathise with the club a little bit because our business hasn't been good when we have spent money at all. Yeah. Well, I mean, we could also we could also look at it from the other way because you have to just make sure you're backing the right horse. You know, I think that's the biggest thing. It's like if you're if you have the right manager and you're buying players that that manager wants, and then you're good. But I think that's the issue that we're dealing with right now is that a lot of these managers are coming in and having players that they necessarily did not, does not fit into their system. You know, we went, we were hopping between all these managers. We went from, uh, you know, uh, Pochettino, who I think would have done really well with Lo and done really, really well with Ndombele to Mourinho, who didn't fancy them for a little while. And then he did start to like them a little bit more. And then it was like a rocky relationship with Dele Alli. And then he leaves, and then Mason comes in, and Mason apparently has it out for Tangi. He does not like him for some reason, and then he doesn't play, and then Tangi's unhappy. Then we're bringing Nuno, and Nuno's trying to make everything work. And that's 
I think that was his biggest downfall was he was trying to make everything work with all the previous signings. And I think, you know, he, he, he uh, gave him too many chances after so many bad performances and that cost him his job. And so now we have Conte and I think, yes, we're, we spent a lot of money on these players, but um, now we have the right manager, you know? And so I think despite that, I think we do need to just take the loss and back the manager because at the end of the day, Champions League is going to make you a lot more money than any of the, you know, any, uh, any of the, losses are you going to take on on these players and I, I i'm hoping that we can get some recover some kind of feed for these players because i think we're going to need that if conte wants to build a team that he wants to build well and i to your point mike i think like spending the money now this window to bring in players that conte wants if that gets us to fourth place and gets us into the champions league then um then, it, then I think it pay those moves pay for themselves. But I, I also heard that this uh, weird rumor out there that um, that, and I don't know that there's any truth to it whatsoever. But that that uh, Levy had uh, um, put the money for transfers into Bitcoin and lost uh, uh, like half the transfer budget. Like, have you guys oh, heard no, that no, crap no, out no, there? No. Oh, Daniel, what are you doing? <laughs> Like no the, the stuff that goes out there right now, it's just it's it, it's really shocking how like these these rumors <laughs> start and just like the Daniel Levy hate. And I, I get it. Like, I'm frustrated as well. And I want to see us spend. I want to see us spend smart and I want to see us back Conte. But I think we have to be realistic about what to expect out of this window. And and in some of those Th- those types of rumors are not helpful. <laughs> um, well, supposedly, Levy went to the Bahamas and met with Lewis too. So, yeah. yeah, we don't know what the final outcome of that was. You know, was it for more money for January? Was it for the summer? Or was it for these rumors going around that there might be more investors coming in later? But um, or, or I lost all the money in. Or, or yeah. <laughs> or oh, sorry, Joe, I lost the money in Bitcoin. <laughs> But, but regardless, um, I think this has been a good conversation. I think we will see some movement on Treori in the next couple of days. Um, I think he is going to end up in the Spurs uniform, and hopefully there'll be at least one or two more players that can make the difference and get us into top four for Conte. Uh, any yeah. final thoughts on transfer rumors? Yeah, I, I think, uh, I mean, if we get Adama in, I think that's that's huge. I think that's uh, really what we need. And I think... Really, we just need uh, one more. I know it's going to be a player that we're not going to love or maybe even have after six months, but we definitely need another striker because if Kane goes down, we're not getting top four, you know, and so we have to find cover for Kane any way, any shape or form, even if it's like a 35-year-old player, any type of cover for Kane I think is going to be, I think, key uh, in order for us to make top four. Everything else I think can wait. I mean, he can he can work with Skip. And Winks and Hoiberg and uh, midfielders, like he can, he, he'll make that work. I think, and I think it's a blessing in disguise that we got out of the conference league. You know, so I'm really glad that we don't, we only have to focus on, you know, a Premier League game every week and maybe throw in some FA Cup games. I think mean, that's the only two competitions we're left in. So um, we can definitely do it. I think we just need one more cover for Kane because now Sun is hurt, and um, you know we're we're really short on goal scorers. Yeah, no, I I agree. Like we, we, I do think midfield is a huge problem too. 
but I don't know that we're going to fix all three problems right now. And any one of the, like an injury in any one of those positions probably could do us in at this point. So we do need depth. So I understand why Conte would be screaming for three players. Um, or I think four players, he said Adama plus three. Um, but I think that he probably realistically think if I ask for four, maybe I'll get three. Uh, um, Jeff? As you say, Mike, though, realistically, when February comes around, you're going to be really sad that you can't go to Paramount Plus and watch, you know, those weird Spurs feeds that go in and out with the announcer who seems like they locked him in a closet all week. <laughs> so all, all he's got to do is come out and talk nonstop for two hours. How, how can you not miss that? Dude, I know. And he's so critical, too. He's so critical of the players. Like, what is he doing there? And I'm like, oh, my God, this uh, commentators. I like him, actually, though. I'm a big fan of him. He makes it interesting. I mean, it's got to be tough commentating a game by yourself, you know? Yeah. Well, uh, anyway, let's move the conversation along. So it is international break. Um, I think, as always, we all only really want worry about whether our players are going to get injured in, in, on international break. And um, Ramiro, who's coming back from injury, will not be going to Argentina. Lacelso will be, um, but he, he potentially might not be with us. Um, what are your concerns uh, with, with the international break? And is there anything that you're excited about watching? Uh, um, anybody? Uh, I'll start. Like, I, I am excited to watch some of the U.S. U.S. World Cup qualifiers because uh, it does. We we still are um, at a point in the competition where we need to to win to to qualify. So um, I think they will. Um, but I'll be watching this. That's probably about all I'll be watching this international break, Jeff. Um. I was just going to say, there's some breaking news from Fabio Roma, um, Romano that Watford is going to appoint Roy Hodgson as manager. Oh, I know, I know, we all have missed. They're getting older Roy. every time. He's yeah, back. yeah, right. Gosh, Roy, I thought he retired. Well, it's been Watford managers like retiring because you're going to get sacked in the next few weeks anyway, aren't you? You've probably just gone there for the nice pay payoff that he's going to get in two months. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> At some point, all of us will manage Watford, I think. Yeah. <laughs> um, but in, anybody for international break, uh, any matches? Joe? I, I honestly don't even know who England are playing. I'm Googling it now. I don't think they've got a game. I've had no attention. I, uh, yeah, I have no idea who. I just don't want any of our players to get injured. Um, I'm so glad Romero's not going with Argentina. That was the the big one because, you know, he's back now, isn't he? He's in full training. And um, I think even Argentina realised they've done so much damage with our, their relationship with Tottenham, with all these ridiculous injuries that they've been getting and all these problems they've been in that just don't take him this time. Um, but no, I, I'm actually, I feel like this break's come at a good time for us. You know, we had those two big wins away at Watford, away at Leicester, Okay, we lost at Chelsea, but like Mike was saying, we're in a really good position. The biggest thing that helped happen yesterday for us was Arsenal drawing. That was massive for like you assumed Arsenal are going to win at home to bottom of the league, Burnley, and they dropped two points. That's huge for us. If you would, aside from bias, look at the the, the teams now that are in contention for fourth place. We are objectively in the best position of all those teams. Um, so, 
international break, rest, get players back from injury. And like Mike was saying, we don't have any European distractions. So it's just one game a well, it's not one game a week because we've got these extra fixtures to make up, but fewer distractions. Just focus on getting that fourth place, and I, I think we can do it. Yeah, I, th- I think that's probably a, a good place to, to end the international conversation. I'll be looking forward to coming back. I like the fact that we come back and we have an FA Cup match and not uh, go right back into the league. Uh, um, and that might be a good place to roll, roll into the, the final uh, topic of conversation for the podcast and that's this uh, FA Cup Brighton away match on Saturday, February 5th. So two weeks from uh, well, this is a Saturday match, so uh, a little bit less than two weeks from today um, we'll be taking on uh, Brighton o- away in the FA Cup. Uh, uh, they're currently in ninth place in the league, 30 points, six wins, 12 draws, four losses. Uh, they did uh, play draw Leicester away uh, on Sunday. Um, they, they have a couple of draws, a win, in, a couple of wins going backwards in form. Uh, the um, they take on Watford uh, the following Saturday, so a, a week after that. So they they have a full week's rest after this match. Um, and uh, ah, the last five times that we faced them, uh, we we lost most recently earlier this season, one uh, nil uh, in January. Um, we, um, uh, I'm sorry, that's January 2021. Last season, it's been because uh, we had the the match uh, in December postponed. Um, we beat them the prior two times before that, and then we lost and won going back to April 2019. So. so Stop running my mouth. What do you guys think on this uh, uh, Brighton match? Uh, Joe? Uh, just real quick. I think we're at home, though, aren't we? This is home. We're not away. We're at, we're at home to Brighton. Yeah, yeah. Jeff's got his phone I thought we were. Yeah, yeah, yeah. no, yeah. no. You're, you're right. I screwed that up. It was no, uh, all right. Brighton at home. Yeah, because that was one of yeah. the nice things that we uh, we actually got home for once. Yeah, right, exactly. That was. I was just checking. I was, because this is tough. Like, Brighton are really good side. Um, I this is a difficult game, even though we're at home. Um, I think Brighton, are, they've drawn quite a lot of games. They don't seem to lose very often, but they, they don't really have a, a very prolific goal scorer. Mope doesn't seem to score too many. Danny Welbeck is, you know, not the player he used to be. Um, they're only a couple of players short have been, I think, possibly like a top sort of six, top eight team, uh, Brighton. So I think this is going to be a difficult game. I do wonder about what Conte is going to do with the cup because we've got Southampton midweek after this game and then we've got Wolves on the Saturday and then we've got City, I think, midweek. So we've got a lot of games coming quite thick and fast after this break. So I, the kind of pragmatist in Conte, perhaps he'll think, you know what, the FA Cup, I don't, I don't need it. I'll... Maybe not play a full rotation like European Conference League style, but you know, rest maybe rest Kane or something. Uh, yeah, so that's that's possibility. But what do you guys think? Uh, I I think we have to rotate, but it's also going to be coming off of the international break. We're going to have a lot of players that are are rested from that. He will have um, um, some training with uh, with the players that aren't on uh, duty. Um, 
So maybe he'll some of those players that, that aren't on international duty that um, that he works with a little bit more will get a chance here uh, in, in the FA Cup. I think that's certainly feasible. I think we might see Ramiro play this one because uh, it might be a good way to ease him back into the squad. Um, I don't know about resting Kane. It, it might be depending upon how many minutes he he gets on international duty this time, um, which I don't think there's any meaningful. Uh, games for England um, coming up. I don't think they're playing. I don't. I don't think England have a game. We, bizarrely, from what I'm, I just googled it and it doesn't look like they've got a game. So oh, okay. Maybe so, he'll. Yeah. So if he's training with the squad, then maybe we will see him in this one at least for part time. Um, I th- I think that you want to get some er- get draw blood early and get get some early goals, or else. Uh, um, yeah, we could struggle in this one because they are good at um, working out draws, and and obviously I don't we don't have the replay in the FA Cup right now, but um, but we don't want this to go to to like a penalty shootout or anything like that. So um, so hopefully hopefully we come out strong enough and and maybe get an early goal and then uh, fight to keep them off the board after that. Uh, and hopefully there's a good plan in place. Uh, other thoughts on this one? Uh, Jeff? Um, both uh, Kane and Lloris had speeches recently where they talked about how they felt that we could win trophies under Conte and this is the time to go all out. Well, this is our last chance for a trophy this season, right? Is the FA Cup, so I would expect um, the team to take it really seriously and go for this one. I'm glad we're at home. Because you guys are right, Brighton is really tough. Um, so I think we can squeak out a narrow win at home. Mike? Yeah, I, I'm uh, I'm just hoping we start a couple of new signings. <laughs> I say a couple because I'm promising him. Fingers crossed here that we have two. But it'd be awesome to see Traore start in his first uh, game for us at home. I think he'll be cup, he'll be cup tied, Mike. I think. Oh, he will. Yeah, he played with Wolves in the FA Cup. He can't play for us in the FA Cup, uh, so right. we wouldn't see him this one. That's right. Well, at least we we see one, maybe one new uh, new signing playing for us. And uh, yeah, I mean, I don't really have any reserves. I think Brian are a great team, though. I think you made a good point there. Um, I could see that coach doing really good with, uh, to be honest, any squad because. They're so good. They've only lost four games this entire year, uh, the Premier League, which is amazing, honestly. So um, it's going to be a tough one, I think. And I think we are going to start Kane, knowing Conte. Conte will start Kane in any match, I think. So uh, hopefully Sonny will, will be a little bit more healthy around then, too. So I know he had a muscle injury, but those, I don't know, I'm cross, I don't want to jinx it, but he tends to heal pretty fast from those. So hopefully he'll be back. Well, and the rumor was that he'd be back after international break, but we'll have to see um, whether they throw him in right away or maybe use him, all, uh, put him on the bench for the for the FA Cup, and then save him for the midweek match. But um, but I do I am hopeful that he'll be back. Any final thoughts before we go to predictions? Oh, okay, well let's do predictions, and uh, and we will start with Mike this time. Uh, 2-1 Spurs, I'm going to say Lo Celso and, and Dombele. 
Okay, Joe. And then you mic drop and walk away. <laughs> um, I'm going to say 3-1 Spurs. Um, I'm going to say Kane, Bergwijn, and Lucas. I like th- the sound of 3-1. Uh, Joe? I I have a sneaking suspicion this is going to go to, go the distance. Because I, I think you guys are right. He probably will play Kane. But I, I think he will rotate a little bit just with those league games in mind. And um, I can see it being 1-1, Kane to score, and then it going to penalties. And Hugo to be the hero. He, he's just signed a new contract and he's going to make a couple of saves and we're going to go, we're going to sneak through on penalties. And then we're going to get Chelsea away and play them again and lose 2-0 again and concede off a set piece again. And it's going to be deja vu all over. <laughs> They're going to disallow another goal. Oh, that would be the worst if we like drawing like Chelsea next in the FA Cup after getting through on Brighton like in a tough fought match. Ugh. Um, I you know I I actually was thinking the same scoreline, but I'm going to change mine to a two-two draw going to penalties. Spurs win. Um, I I'm going to give a goal to Kane, and I am going to give a goal to. Ramiro plays his first game back, like uh, maybe a weird header or cheeky play in the the, the box when uh, on a set piece. Um, but I'm going to give a goal to Ramiro uh, just just because I think he's going to be playing in this match. Um, any final thoughts on just like the week that was, and uh, final thoughts going into international break uh, before before we we leave our uh, listeners for the the next two weeks. Uh, Joe? Yeah, Jeff, I mean. Um, well, we won our game in hand, right? Lester was the first of the game in hands, and we took it. So that's good. Um, Chelsea was the one we thought we could afford to drop, if we could afford to drop any. So we're still on target for top four. You know, United passed us this weekend, but we have three games in hand on them, I think. So, um, And they took West Ham out of the way for us, which is good, too. So... Um, you know, the future still seems bright at this point. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's uh, the, the game is in hand. Like, unfortunately, we have to play them midweek, and it's going to be in a congested period, which I think it certainly hurt us, especially, especially since we're moving some players on, um, and it's not clear whether we're going to be buying enough as many players as we're moving on um, this window. So that that's my one fear about this. Uh, these ga- games in hand, um, uh, we need to be uh, um, at our best for those midweek matches uh, w- w- in a congested period. And I am glad that we are out of the, that conference league now because um, it's more important that we do well in these ga- games in hand. And and we haven't done well midweek uh, for the most part this season. So g- good good point there. Um, uh, any other final thoughts? Okay, well, I think... Oh, Joe. I was going to say, we're, we're going to win the cup. We're, we're going to win... After my doomsday prediction, I've decided we are, we're we going to get Chelsea, but we're going to beat them because we've not won a cup for too long. And this is our year. Under Conte, he's going to lead us to glory. That that would be amazing. Like, if, yeah. like his first... Within his first eight months as, uh, as coach that, that we win our first cup in that many years, that, that would be really amazing. 
Mike, any final thoughts? Yeah, I mean, if we if we do get Chelsea, fifth time's a charm, right? We'll, we'll definitely <laughs> we'll definitely beat them, and uh, they'll just I be do, bored you know, of us, Mike. They'll be bored of playing against us. You know, they'll they'll just try something different. They'll play like the keeper in attack or something, just to you know mix it up a bit. A Conte is Conte a center back. Actually, I wouldn't want to see Conte a center back. He he destroys. But yeah, I, I think we, we can. I definitely think we can win a cup here. We got to, you know. Yeah, I. I, I want to see us hold silverware at some point. I don't know if it's this year, but I hope it's uh, um, at least next year under Conte that we start to, uh, to it starts to pay dividends. And I do think that we are going to back him, get him the players he wants. It just might not be as fast as some Spurs fans want. Um, we have to we have to wait it out. Um, but I think that about wraps up the episode. So thank you so much to, to Mike, Joe, and Jeff for being on this week. Um, and uh, thanks to Tommy for editing and sound, uh, Charlie for the music, Sam for social media, Kimberly for the logo, and as always, the Atlantic Bar and Grill. What a great crowd this week for Chelsea. I, I hope to see more people back soon. Um, it, it's been really fun uh, out there. Find our merchandise at Big Head Media. Find us now on both Spotify and Stitcher. Hit the subscribe button and write us a review on iTunes if you like our podcast or give us a review, a review wherever you get your podcast. Check us out on Twitter and Facebook at Four Star Spurs and our website at fourstarspurs.com. Come on, you.